Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? And welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, the show that we talk about the game we all love and sometimes it breaks your heart, Major League Baseball. We're here once again uh, with the star of the show, one of the most iconic figures in the history of Canadian baseball, uh, the two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, baseball lifer, and back from safari. It's none other than John Gibbons. John, how you doing? Well, you tell me, I'm a little beat. I'm a little beat up, man. Hanging out there in the in the wild, wild west. No, it was, it was a great trip. Great trip, Johnny. You know. Uh, I love your introductions, man. It makes me feel good every day. I could be down in the dumps and you introduce me that way and I just kind of, you know. Smile. It's true. It's true. I mean, everybody loves you and uh, especially now on social media. I mean, the videos you've been posting there uh, at John Gibbons 05 on Instagram or Twitter, uh, the wilderness, the <laughs> wild horses, the buffalo, you're in your car in a safe haven, you know, just calling out, making a noise at one of the buffaloes. They start snorting and growling at you. You know, it was really Buffalo Gibby out there. And uh, uh, it was like, it was beautiful, the landscape. You must have had a great time just kind of chilling and getting off the grid. Yeah, I, I loved it. You know, that's, kind of, that's kind of my scene, you know. I, I really enjoy that stuff. But now that I'm back home, you just, I might just, you just have to look at some butterflies. There you around. go. There you go. Time to relax and watch. Do you have a net to catch the butterflies? Do you, you do a little butterfly collecting, John? You know, I just put my arm out, you know, and hope they land on it. Uh, and watch some baseball games, you know. There you go. <laughs> lots of baseball. Obviously, lots of baseball to talk about. I mean, uh, it's been, uh, you know, a little over a week since the Blue Jays were eliminated from the wild card. And uh, Ross Atkins had a big press soiree. Uh, I guess they call it a media scrum uh, right after the season was over. And, and probably the biggest thing that came out of that, uh, and of course, we're going to be getting into free agents and who they should keep, who they should not. But I mean, the question that was kind of a little cryptic in a way, but not, it was when uh, they started talking about uh, John Schneider. Of course, John, the interim manager of the Blue Jays. And uh and there's so much to digest about everything that happened, uh, but uh, emerging through all the disappointment of that loss was, uh, you know, a lot of fans and insiders feel the confidence uh, for Schneider can continue to lead this group into better days in 2023. But uh, Ross Atkins, in his statements, and I'm going to quote him here, uh, he's certainly said that Schneider put himself in a good position to return as manager next year, uh, this time without the interim tag. Uh, but Atkins said, uh, quote, I feel confident about the job that he has done, and I think it'll be very difficult for us to find better than John Schneider, said Atkins. But out of respect for the organization, out of respect for John Schneider, I do want time to work through the process with him. So what, is, what does that mean, John? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm not a lawyer. I couldn't tell you that, man, you know. Or I'm not a politician, man. You know, uh, yeah, you know, Johnny. It's kind, you know, it kind of kind of surprised me a little bit. But uh, one thing I will say, I know they they're very thorough in everything they do. Uh, you know, that regime there, um, uh, and you know, they have a they, you know the process. They go step by step by step. Uh, either that or, or Schneid's holding out for like a huge, huge contract right now. He's he's uh, he's uh, you know, and they can't come to terms yet. 
But I, I would be very surprised if they didn't bring it back. But, uh, you know, they do they do uh, do their due diligence, I guess you would call it. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it probably sure could be much simpler than that. Just say, here, here, when you're coming back, here, here's, here's what we're going to do. And, and uh, But we'll see. Maybe, maybe, there's, maybe there's some, you know, questions behind the scene. I, I've got no idea. Yeah, it might be. I mean, it was surprising that, you know, with the run that the Jays had after he took over, um, as manager and, you know, getting into the wild card, of course, you know, one could have predicted what happened last week when they got eliminated and that, you know, that, that, that bounce that, uh, that Springer dove forward with Bichette and, and just, you know, that was just so odd and the way it ended, uh, uh, it was a bad feelings, but you would think that because of the, uh, second half of the season and, and everything that went right for the Jays, that Schneider, could have been announced as the manager even going into the playoffs to give him some right. security. But like you said, there could be some stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah, kind of like Thompson there with the Phillies, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure I'm sure something will get done. You know, hey, you, you look at – it's all about winning and losing. And uh, when Schneider took over, you know, they, they played really well and won and put themselves in a good position. It didn't end the way anybody ever wants it or the way they wanted it. But, you know, the Dodgers are saying the same thing. The Braves are saying the same thing. It, yeah, I mean. That's, that's baseball. So I'm sure they'll get something done. I hope they get something done. Uh, but uh, it is, is kind, of, kind of strange how it's all playing out. Oh, it is. But Thompson, by the way, was signed to uh, another two-year deal, two-year extension with uh, Phillies. Yes, so yeah, yeah, Thompson's, Thompson's a good Canadian boy too, man. You know, uh, he, uh, you know, he paid his dues. He was, he was the bench coach, you know, under Girardi all those years with the Yankees. And then, of course, he went to the Phillies, and then Girardi came over there. Really a great baseball guy um, and, and well-deserved. And, and he's one of those guys you pull for, and I'm glad it's turned out that way. Other than that he beat the Bravos, man, my uh, old employer. Oof. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, some of that as well. I mean, this has been, this has been a postseason that has been so surprising in so many ways. These playoffs, and especially this past Saturday when three teams got eliminated, when you have the underdogs like uh, the the Padres, the Phillies, I mean, you know, the Astros did what they did. I mean, they were the favorites anyway. And then you have the Guardians and the Yankees still uh, up for grabs, and that'll be decided tonight as we as we tape this. But your viewpoints on what's going on in these in these wacky playoffs? I mean, nothing that you expected has happened. Yeah, it, it's hard to you know. It's really kind of yeah. Nobody predicted it, much of this. You know, obviously, I wouldn't think. Uh, but that's kind of the beauty of baseball and sports and in the, the in the playoffs the way that works. Uh, but yeah, the baseball world's shocked. Uh, my gosh, the uh, the networks are they, they're they're boy they're sure, they're hoping like hell the Yankees get in there, man. They're really they're scrambling, right? Um, the Dodgers, you know, I think was everybody's favorite. You know, they ran and they ran into a, a tough Padre team that was playing well. But they were actually playing like everybody predicted. You know, after yeah. they made the moves, after even, trades, even, yeah, even without Tatis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so good things are happening. And because, you know, there's big question marks. They were, they were even battling to get in there at one point, which was shocking to the baseball world. Uh, and then, of course, the Phillies they slug it out. In the, but they're playing their best brand of baseball. But they had to go down to the wire to even get in. And, and uh, our, our, our guest we have coming up has talked about how important that can be. He, he put some pretty good insight into all, all that. Um, 
It's just, uh, you know, with the the, uh, the Braves, you know, they got on that run last year and ran through the playoffs. You know, nobody, and then, of course, they run into the Phillies, and in the, Atlanta was arguably the hottest team at the time going, in, going into this. Yeah, so you can't figure it out. And then, uh, of course, then they, they ended up overtaking your Metropolitans that last game of the, the last weekend of the season. And uh, here, we'll and uh, and I think that shocked the Mets a little bit, you know. And, and it kind of, uh, and I, I think it maybe kind of set them back a little bit against the Padres. You never know. We we all well, spec- it took the wind out of their sails, and it, it just yeah. kind of took the life out of even the fan base uh, when the Braves swept them, and the Mets needed to win one game, and then with San Diego coming in and getting hot at the right time, winning two of three. It was a deflation. It was uh, it was a heartbreak, but uh, you know you look forward to next year. But when I, I'm looking forward to the um, uh, to the the Phillies against the Padres, I think because and even when you're watching these games on television and and the fan bases and how uh, fanatical and the and the explosions of these fans who haven't who haven't really been in this position like the Phillies made the uh, the championship series for the first time in ten years. And when you're looking at the Padres, it's even further than that. And the Dodgers spanked the Padres all season long. All long, yep. And now look what happens. It's like it was an amazing thing to watch to see that happen and unfold the way it did. Yeah, you know what, Jay? There's so much. A lot of of times it seems like there's so much emotion involved, right? Yeah. And if it's positive emotion like, you know, the Padres, you know, the Padres go, you know, win that first game, beat Scherzer, right? Uh, okay, now they're feeling really good. You know, the, the odds of that happening, probably not good. So you're going, but now you do it. Now you're going, okay, now, now we got life, right? And then they come back and win, you know, again. So th- that's how the mindset changes in the fact in the, when, you, when you flip it over, even the met- metros, it's just the opposite. You know, they beat our top dog, right? Now, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and then the Phillies, you know, the Phillies come back against the Cardinals. You know, and they in the, they were they were being shut out in the ninth inning and beat beat it came back, you know now that now that emotion those emotions flips right you know that now they're feeling well we can, we can do this and the Cardinals are going, you know they had all this like the historic run by Pujols there at the end every they're feeling good you know but so just one one thing you know can do that and uh, even you know the the Braves you get then you know uh, when they ran up against the Phillies losing that first one it's like eh, you know uh, the Astros. The Astros, well, Alvarez, the big walk-off uh, home run, right? bopper, man. Came yeah. through. Yeah, and, you know, but Seattle was riding high off, riding high off those two games against uh, the Blue Jays, right? Yeah. So now those emotional, in, in short series especially, those emotional swings can almost dictate the whole series if it, if it happens early because teams that maybe don't think they can do it or there's maybe that slight little doubt, and now all of a sudden you give them life, and, and the other guys are going like, ooh, that's not, this isn't supposed to happen, you know? So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the Yanks tonight. Uh, oh, it will. It will. I mean, one thing about the Astros, though, they made history, too, getting into the ALCS for the sixth consecutive year. They're good. You know, that they're, is they're what a machine. But, uh, yeah, lots to, uh, to uh, talk about as we continue to watch these playoffs unfold and championship series leading into the World Series. We'll be covering that. We'll be covering all of the Blue Jays. Uh, off-season moves and the speculation. So we have a really interesting uh, hot stove league that we're going to be uh, diving into each and every week here. Uh, and 
John, you know, as always, I mean, lots always to talk about in baseball, but now we have a very special guest that we're going to be bringing on for the Gabbing with Gibby segment. So we'll go to that right now. Well, it's time for another Gabbing with Gibby segment, and this week is uh, once again, John's pulled uh, another wonderful guest out. Uh, he is a, uh, a former player of the Toronto Blue Jays, one of the really gutsiest and grittiest players in the game, uh, current Los Angeles Dodger, former New York Met, played on several teams, and he's kind of like how Gibby uh, stated it, human highlight reel. Uh, we'd love to bring on Kevin Pilar. Kevin, how you doing today? Doing great. How you guys doing? Uh, looking wonderful. good, man. Hey, you looking great. Looking good. Rehab, great. You, you, you feel good? I mean, you, you got over that injury. Tell us a little bit about uh, your shoulder, where, you, where you're at right now. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fully recovered. Um, you know, it was kind of just a weird play. A, a ball hit to the shortstop behind me. I was at second base. You know, with one out, you usually have the ability to kind of just walk the third. Uh, you know, infielders are taught to just take the sure out. Guy threw behind me. I had nowhere to slide, and I, I tried to get around the third baseman. Uh, felt my shoulder uh, pop out. It was a very familiar feeling since I've had it before. I, I had it in college, so I knew that, uh, you know, something was wrong. But I felt like I wanted to stay in the game and, and, and see how it uh, felt as I kept playing. Uh, a couple of innings later, I got on deck. I couldn't get the hands up quite as high as I wanted to, but I said, I'm going to give this the best shot I got. Ended up drawing a walk. So I think the, the baseball gods were looking out for me. <laughs> baseball gods were looking out for me. And then as I as the guy picked over and I got the third base, I had to slide a couple more times. I kept feeling my shoulder pop in and out. Um, ended up ended up coming around to score. I came in the dugout. They told me I was done for the day. I was uh, kind of in a platoon situation. Um, at that point, I said, "Hey, I, I I did something to my shoulder." They said, "When?" I said, "You know, first inning." Um, ended up getting an MRI, bone scan the next day complete tear of my labrum and I ended up breaking the shoulder socket. Um, so I was in surgery a week later, you know, two screws put in the bone in the front of my shoulder anchors put in to repair my labrum. And, um, it was devastating. I mean, I, 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 I never really had a, uh, season ending injury before I've had a couple injuries that I've been able to play through and, and, and delay till the off season. Um, but this was, uncharted territory for, for me, you know, being 10 years in, I had no idea how to kind of get out of that, that baseball mind frame in the middle of the season. And, um, you know, I, I broke down a little bit. I, I shed some tears when the doctor told me my season was over. He told me it was going to be a six to nine month uh, recovery. Um, you know, I told uh, Amanda, I told my parents. Um, and then when I got to the field that day, uh, I told them, you know, what the doctor told me. And I, I told them that I would be back this year. They all looked at me like I was crazy. They said, uh, you don't come back from labrum in three and a half months. And I said, well, that's the challenge that, that I needed. So uh, I had the surgery, came back to Arizona and just attacked the rehab like I've attacked everything else and took it day by day. And, um, you know, you know, as I started to progress a little bit, you know, uh, 
getting away from the game was actually a little bit refreshing. It reminded me how much I, I still enjoy playing. It gave me an opportunity to, to work on my body, um, you know, work on some things that you don't have an opportunity to work on all the time during the season. And, you know, fortunately, I, I hit that uh, goal that I had set and I was back playing in games about three and a half months, uh, went back wow. to Oklahoma City, rehab, finished the year strong. And then I've been here in Arizona with about 10 other guys in what they call stay hot camp. We're facing live pitchers, you know, every other day, you know, hitting on the field, taking ground balls, doing outfield stuff, just kind of stay ready if uh, an injury happened during the playoffs. And now that it's over, um, you know, I get to kind of shut it down a little bit, kind of reflect on the year and, and, and start to look forward to next year. Wow. Hey, you know what? As hard as you played the game, I can't remember you suffering really any serious, no serious injury. But to think that you would, you would, if you're going to hurt yourself, you would hurt yourself on some of those diving catches, you know, where where you're you're diving all over the place. And you, man, you were like, you would just bounce right back up. But to do it on a slide, you know, we all get a little bit older, that body breaks down a little bit. But that's, uh, you know, I would have expected that. That, That's why you're such a rarity anyway, Uh, you know, the, the, the beating you could take. Most guys yeah, I think, I think that was uh, – I mean, we talked about this all the time. I think, uh, you know, there are certain guys in this game that are, uh, you know, superstars. You, you, you pencil them into the lineup every day because uh, you expect them to do great things. And then there's guys like me that just play the game hard and know that their real value is that they can just be available every day. That was something I prided myself on. That's something that I told you all the time is I wanted to be in there every day. You know, and I, I think my mindset was if I wasn't playing, the person that was going to play for me had an opportunity to take my job because that's how I viewed it when I wasn't playing every day is if you put me in there, I'm taking that guy's job. And I think that's something that I, I still believe in today. If I have the ability to play, I want to play. Um, I understand that in a baseball season, uh, you're not going to feel great every day, but I feel like sometimes my 60 or 70% is going to be better than the guy replacing me. Um, so I want to be out there every day. So that, that was, that's where the emotion came in uh, during this injury. It wasn't the fact that my body had broken down and it needed to be repaired. It was the fact that I couldn't be out there and I couldn't play. And, you know, that gives someone else an opportunity to take my job. And honestly, that kind of happened this year. Um, you know, another guy, they brought someone over after my injury and he performed really, really well. And, it leaves me in a tough situation for next year. Um, so I think that's that's why being on the field is so valuable. I think health is the most important thing in this game. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to wherever I end up next year, going in and, and fighting for a job and, and staying healthy and, and, and you know, regaining, uh, you know, uh, the ability to go out there and play every day. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead, Johnny. No, I just uh, because he was so resilient. I remember last year, it was May 19th, uh, when you were playing with the Mets, you got struck in the face. 94-mile fastball by Jacob Webb of the Braves. But you were back by the end of the month. I mean, you were back, and you got a hit in your first at-bat. So, I mean, that was such a horrific scene. You get hit square in the face. There's blood gushing out. Everyone is like, he's done for the season. Three weeks later, you're in the lineup again. You're getting a hit in your first at-bat. So the resilience that you've shown 
uh, not just with this shoulder injury, but in the past, uh, really, I mean, just gritty and just so determined to come back as quick as yeah, possible. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was a, that was also an opportunity where we had some guys, I knew my role going into that season that I would be, you know, kind of filling in, facing some lefties. Um, and some injuries happened and I was getting an opportunity to play. And I don't take that lightly in this game because, you know, I feel like once you've been an everyday player and teams don't be, view you as that anymore, it's hard to get that opportunity again. And I was getting that opportunity. And when I got hit um, once again, you know, uh, went to the, went to the ER, they told me what happened, you know, the, when can I be back on the field? Um you know, once I saw my surgeon and he operated, he told me 10 days post-surgery I could be playing. And you bet on the 10th day I was back out there and, and, and playing because I just I think I'm more I think I'm more fearful of just being forgotten. You know, I think the longer you're out of the game, the longer you're out of the lineup, people forget what you're able to do on the field. So I want to be out there as much as possible because I, I enjoy playing and I want to stay in this game as long as possible because once you're out, you're out. It's hard to get back in as a player. I, I know Gibby could probably speak on that from, you know, being a manager too. It, it's hard to yeah, continue it to resurface. It's kind of hard to get another opportunity once you've had it. So uh, the, the, while I still have the ability to, to, to have some name recognition and, and do some things, I, I want to be on the field and prove I can play. Cause you know, if I, it would have been very easy for me to be like, yeah, I got hit in the face. I needed surgery. I'm fearful of getting back in the box. It would have no one would have blamed me for sitting out the rest of the year. But what's that leave? What what position does that leave me in next year? I got to be on the field to prove that I could play. You know, I feel like that's something I've had to do every single year is just prove that I could play. Um, whether that's you know my skill set's not as great as some other people, or maybe that's just a a label you get when you get drafted super late in the, in the draft that you have to continue to prove yourself every day, year after year, day after day. But um, I, I embrace that challenge and I, I feel like I'm in a position after this year to prove people wrong again. I think that's something that's going to motivate me. Um, you know, after this weekend, I'm going to take this week off. I'm going to go on a little trip with Amanda, I'll get away from the kids reconnect with Amanda a little bit and then I'm gonna hit the ground running and and while I'm while I'm uh, working out while I'm hitting while I'm throwing those are the things I'm going to remind myself is you got to prove yourself again and that motivates me yeah Kev you, Kev you're different man there's, there's no doubt about it you know I've been around a lot of uh players right as a, as a player myself and then as a manager and a coach there's something something different about you you know there's a hand, there's a handful of you guys out there there's not a lot of them right uh but you know your face looks good, man. You can't hurt that pretty face unless that's why you got that beard going after you get hit by hit or something. Uh, I got a little. Good? I got a little. I got a little improvement on the nose. I had to keep. I had to keep it. I think it's uh, it's part of me, but it's definitely much improved. I'll show you later. <laughs> but you know, you you mentioned you know nothing's ever come easy for you. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, you were drafted like it was in thirty something round, thirty second yeah, round, thirty second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually guys like that don't make it, right? In in for whatever reason that in the, or they don't ever get a really get an opportunity. And I can remember there was, when you start playing in the minor leagues, everybody that you played for would always say, uh, you know, cause when you're picked 32nd, yeah, you're getting your opportunity, but you know, you're low man on the totem pole. You got to keep doing it. But for every, every manager or coach that you play for, they would say, Hey, you got to check out this uh, Kevin Pillar guy. He says, he's like, and I think you were like the team MVP every year. Right. 
but you came from, I mean, you had a big, you had an extinguished uh, college career. You, know, you had like a 50-something game, 54-game hitting streak, and then did, did, did a lot of good things. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you were a good player, but you know how the scouting world is. So anyway, so I would hear about you all the time, all the time. And finally, you forced your way in there. Nobody, you, nobody gave you anything, even when you made it with the Blue Jays when you came up. And I, and I can remember it's, uh, at the time, it wasn't a funny story, but we brought you up. We had, there was also Anthony Ghost was on the team, right? And we were trying to figure out, it was, it was that point in the season. We weren't very good again. One of those. And so we're trying to let's let's give these both these guys some playing time. So let's platoon them right and, and like that. And um, and I can remember and it just showed who you were in a good way. Um, you I think you you were in the game and then we uh, they brought in a right hander or something. So we were going to pinch hit and you got all pissed off, right? And then after the game, we ended up sending you down. And and it it, it kind of ex, it exploded on uh, exploded on us. But I in but I knew in my heart. You know, I, well, actually, I'm gonna refresh everybody. We sent you down because of the reaction, right? Remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, in, in, in my thinking was, this is this is BS. You know, he, he, he ain't gonna pull this, right? One of those kind of things. But I knew in my mind, this 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 isn't a this isn't isn't a, isn't a permanent move. You didn't know that at the time. But I gotta also tell you, I don't think I've ever told you that at the time we were probably going to send you down anyway, because we had to make a move, you know, so it kind of, everything kind of fell in place. I don't even think you knew, you knew that. So no, I didn't like, know that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Breaking been, news. That's my, that's my chip. I've been holding forever No, to get you on the show. No. Uh, but anyway, then you, then you, you worked your way back like you always did. And you, cause it was no, gonna, nobody was going to deny you. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen because that's, that's your mindset. And you became a permanent player on a, on a good Blue Jays team uh, when we finally reached the playoffs. And one of the all-time fan favorites. You know, they can't, they can't help but love you just because of the way you play, right, and the way you show well, I think, up. I think, I think in hindsight, I think it's better you didn't tell me that because I went down there scared to death. I remember it was actually I had just got called up that day. Uh, I was kind of – this was in 2014 – um, I had my first taste the year before, didn't perform all that well. <clears throat> went, to, went to the Dominican Winter League, played down there, uh, made some swing adjustments, came into spring training for the first time. Um, you know, in my head, I thought I was competing for a spot, but in reality, I probably wasn't. I knew I was destined for AAA, um, but I knew that I was going to be, you know, on that short list of guys that was going to be coming up and down and have an, have the opportunity to prove myself uh, once again. Um, but I had just got called up that day and I started um, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, it was bases loaded, no outs. Dylan Batantis came into the bullpen. I think it was the seventh inning. And as a young player, I was thinking, damn, this is, I mean, this is one of the best pitchers in baseball. You know, I don't know where we were at. I think that year we were actually competing. I think we were in a, a decent spot early on in the year. Like, Cause I think I got sent down in April, May, like June. And I think we were still, you know, you know, close to first place at that point. And I'm well, thinking, we, yeah, we were, we were in the wild card. Hunt yeah. Company. We did. And I, I was thinking that this is my moment. Like, this is what you dream of as a young baseball player. Like this isn't at bat that either proves you can, you know, the, the expectations are so low. Like you expect a guy like Dylan Batantis to get someone out. Uh, like myself, you know, he was the best reliever in baseball at the time. But what if I what if I get this guy for a three run double? Like this is my moment. And then I got pinch hit, and I came in the dugout, and 
you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how you remember it, but I know that I went down to the end of the dugout. I tossed my bat down the uh, stairs. I kind of tossed my helmet towards, you know, because we didn't really have a helmet rack. We just kind of set our helmets on the the step, and I kind of tossed my helmet down there like they don't believe in me. And I remember it hit another helmet, spun, hit you in the foot, and I said, "Oh shit, this is it." <laughs> and then I had to sit there for like four innings. I think I sat like this in the dugout. I think I prayed for four innings straight. And I think we ended up losing and got to my locker. DeMarlo came and tapped me on my shoulder. Said, Gibby wants to see you. And it wasn't a friendly conversation at the time. You were not happy about it. I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were so upset at what I had done or just the way that we were playing as a team. And I became a little bit of a, I became a little bit of a scapegoat for it. But like I said, I mean, if I was getting sent down anyway, like it was better off for me that you didn't tell me. Because I went down to AAA thinking I'm never going to go to Toronto again. I need to start playing for 29 other teams. Um, And I think it kind of just changed my overall behavior. I think, uh, you know, in the moment, I, I honestly, in this moment, I still think what I did wasn't that bad. But you're the manager. Like you have to respect decisions they make. And especially in the game we play now, managers make a lot of decisions. You know, I was very fortunate to play for you where, you know, once I established myself, I mean, I was out there every single day, regardless if I was in a funk or I was playing well, like now, like everything is so micromanaged according to your swing. And, you know, does he hit this type of pitcher better? You know, God forbid a right-handed hitter faces a right-handed pitcher um but i think it just prepared me for what was going to come later in in my career um and i think when i came back you know there was maybe a couple other moments that me and you had we didn't see eye to eye on things but i also think that's what made you a great manager is you know we had the ability to be friendly and friends at times but we all respected you as the manager and when when you spoke up we listened when you need to discipline you discipline but it was all forgotten after the game. I remember there's a time I did something stupid and you let me know how stupid it was. I tried to steal third base with the pitcher still having the ball because there was a shift on. I thought I could beat the guy to third base. And you call me the dumbest SOB on the face of the earth in the dugout. And I was like, you know what? He's probably right. <laughs> I and, did you made, and you made a scene and you made a scene and then after the game you came by and and we talked about it and we moved on and I think that's what I always liked about you is you had the ability to to discipline and and you know we respected it and we feared it but it wasn't like you carried it on for a week and we had to be fearful of each other we we shook hands we hugged it out we moved on and you know we all liked going to play for you yeah, you know, well, I appreciate that. But you know, you were a winning player. I knew everything you everything you ever tried out there was to help the team win. You know, it might in my mind anyway. And I was a manager. You know, so it was that. Yeah, that's that's it, all it that might, matters. Not have been a smart move, but everything you did out there was to help the team win. You know, and and uh, I appreciated that. And and I, you know, I and I felt a little guilt after some of those things. But you know, I, there's certain things you got you got to let everybody know what's going on. But I tell you, you know. Um, you and there's two guys in my managing career that uh, that showed up to play, uh, ready to play every day more than anybody else. And it's, and it's you and Batista. You couldn't get you guys out of the lineup, right? And uh, people people ask me, but really, Hosey, yes, yeah, you know, yeah, Hosey, Hosey never needed any days off. But you two, you could you could count on that you you know that that you could you could be banged up, 
but you're going to be in the lineup, right? And you you understood it because the team needed you. You're going to maximize everything you got, and the fans wanted to see you. You know. Uh, yeah, and I learned I learned a lot from him. You know, just the way that he took care of his body. You know, I obviously had youth on my side when I got called up, and Jose was, you know, much older than I was, but. I, I watched him play every single day and I watched him go about his work and I might not have done it right away because like I said, I had youth on my side, but as I started to get a little bit older, um, you know, I started doing the same things he did. I started watching yeah. him. I started asking him questions. He was way ahead of his time as far as the ability to take care of his body, you know, to eat the right foods, to, you know, have all the different devices to track your sleep and all that stuff. And I think that's what allowed Batista to play, you know, at a high level for so long. And uh, right. I thank him a lot for that. And, you know, we still talk very often. He still educates me on different things that are out there, different things that can help me. Oh, God. Oh, he's educating you? Yeah. Jose is a very, very smart guy when it comes to the body. <laughs> very intellectual. People yes. don't realize it. Yeah, he is. Hey, hey real quick. All right. You're known for your catches, right? I mean, you every time you turn around, you're doing something. It got to the point where I, you know, not, people would ask me after a game, you know, what, what, what do you think about Kevin's catches? And to tell you the truth, I've seen them all. I see them all the time. You know, it doesn't, nothing shocks me. I almost expect it. Do you have an all-time favorite that you made? Because I, 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 you know, there's a, there's a bunch that have. Do you, do you have one that really sticks out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 two. I think the first one when I when I uh, robbed the home run on Jackie Robinson Day um playing left field that was kind of early in the 2015 season I was still proving myself I, I made the opening day roster I was playing left field I still felt like I could play center field I wanted to play center field um and I think that just proved that you know he is a good athlete he can really play defense and I felt like there was a, a snowball effect after that like I just kept getting opportunities to make really good plays in the outfield. Um, and then I moved to center field and, and held that position for a while. And then I always, then I always think later in that year, I think we had clinched. We had just clinched. We went down to Tampa and we had three games and it was kind of stay healthy. Burley was trying to get through hit to it, 200 innings again. Yeah. Um, and I made a play in Tampa that, I ran a long way, went fully extended, and I remember Buck being like, I think these boys are ready for the playoffs. And I don't think a lot of people remember that catch, but I, I, I go back and look at that, and I would say that was probably one of the most difficult ones I made. That was probably the most, you know, the, the most extended I ever got, covered a lot of ground, uh, given the time of the season. Um, like you said, I just bounced right back up. I, I miss those days where I could just bounce right back up, even on the turf. But I'd say those two catches – Obviously, the one put me on the map, not only with our organization, but I think in the baseball world. I think they said, "Wow, right. we should we should watch this guy. This guy is a this guy makes great plays. How did he do that?" And then, like I said, the snowball effect kind of happened. I kept getting opportunities to go out there and make plays. Yeah, you know, yeah, you work at it though. People don't always realize. And during bat practice every day, you're out there. You know, you're not diving. You know, but but you're working on your jumps and you're running. You're you're running balls down. A lot of guys get out there and they just kind of you know style it and all that. But but you know you do that and uh, all right too. There's there's another thing, another I guess you call it a series of plays. Might have been Batances was pitching this time too, where where you got a base hit 
Uh, and he wasn't basically anyway. He yeah. stole second, stole third, he stole home. And I'm sitting over on the bench going, <laughs> "You remember, remember? Do you remember that?" I, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't know how many times that's happened in baseball history. It couldn't. It couldn't be that many. I wouldn't think. No, I don't think it's happened. I think it, it's definitely happened. I think maybe one or two other times. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it started out. Started out very. I think. I think someone had just hit a home run before that put us up like two runs. This was the eighth inning. You know, it started out with a very, you know, just innocent single to right field. You know, we all kind of knew going into a series with the Yankees that Batances had trouble picking over, didn't really like to throw to bases. So stealing second was a, or yeah, stealing second was a foregone conclusion when I get on. You know, you're going to get a big lead. You're going to force him to try to throw over, which he's probably not going to. Uh, so you steal second pretty easily. Uh, I think there was two outs at this time. So you get you get the second base with two outs, and you got to be 100% sure that you can steal third base. I was out there for, you got to be 100% sure. You don't want to get thrown out, you know, especially with a guy that can run. Uh, you're already in scoring position there. You know, it's going to – you know, any base that I'm going to score on. You know, I was out there for a handful of pitches. I think Luke Maley was hitting. You know, he was, uh, you know, seeing a lot of pitches. Uh you know, and that's also the ability with two strikes is, you know, or two outs is you don't have to worry about getting double ducks. So they weren't really paying attention to me. I said, you know, let's try to get the third base here. I knew in my head it was 100 percent, you know, Batances could be a little bit wild. You could score in a dirt ball. So I stole third. Then I think Maley had gone on with a walk. And then I forgot who was hitting, but it just seemed like he was a bit overmatched. Like most guys would. It was probably the bottom of the order. Um and I was getting a big lead at third. No one was really paying attention to me. And I said, this is my moment, you know, but it was, it was, it was risky, you know, because once again, it was, uh, it was high risk, high reward. If I, if I make it, I look like a hero and I did something really cool. If I get thrown out there, you see my eyes over it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to deal with, I have to deal with the wrath that is Gibby. So you know, but I never, I never, I never wanted to play scared. You know, it was calculated, right. you know, we had a two run lead too. So it wasn't, uh, this was just an additional run. Um, and I just went for it. And I, I think more than anything, it's being a little fearless, but it's also just good scouting, you know, from, from, from you guys, from, from Tim Leeper that, you know, we knew that he had trouble throwing the bases. So, I got a big lead and I just took off and sure enough, you know, like the report said, he threw it to the backstop. I scored. It was a pretty awesome moment in my career. You know, I could still like envision like scoring, being pretty fired up and, you know, having all those people in the stadium, uh, you know, on their feet. And it's just something I think a lot of players play for. You play for that moment that uh, you get remembered for uh, a moment that helps your team win a game and uh, something I'll never forget. No, and you were fearless, man. You know, you had guts, you know, and that's why you're a winner. All right, hey, Johnny, Johnny the co-host here, is a huge Mets fan. He's been, he's lived and died. You know, he's still talking. Yeah. He's still, he's still oh, crying yeah. about it the other day. But he's got something with him. Tell him about it, Johnny. I got a little story. You know, uh, you know, John and I actually met uh, in the minor leagues uh, when I was with the Mets as an executive at 22 years old, and he was the number one draft pick. So we shared a house in uh, Shelby, North Carolina. But I got a – I got a story. I've been going to Met games since 1966. I'm 65 years old. Um, never caught a foul ball. All of those 50 
50 plus years. Uh, last year, Atlanta, I always go down there just when the Mets play the Braves and uh, June 29th last year, you want to line up, you hit a ball left field and it hit the net protecting the fans right in that little caddy corner there, bounced over it, landed right in my hands. My very wow. first foul ball after 50 something years. Wow. There it is. Yeah. And, uh, so like a, a very, very special moment because how how often does that happen? For me, it took over 50 years and I want to thank you for hitting that ball into the net and giving me a nice silver. <laughs> I wish I, I wish remember I wish it was I wish you were sitting in the left field bleachers, but <laughs> that would have been better. The left, behind third base is a pretty safe spot for a foul ball from my bat. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. Hey, no, hey, Kev, though, you remember though, in uh it was 15, we were just kind of we were kind of we 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 really didn't know who we were as a team. You know, we thought we were better. And you know, I'm getting a little older. If I got these dates or these years wrong, let me know. But we went to we went to Washington. Um and we just kind of sputtered along. We were just playing solid ball, but we weren't making any moves. And we got rained down, then we had a double header. Uh, and, and it was we were facing Zimmerman and uh Scherzer, sure. and, and and even Zimmerman back then was like one of the top dogs, right? So we we knew we had our hands full. We got beat that first game. The second game, almost almost a must game in a lot of ways, uh, without actually knowing that you took Scherzer deep, yeah, to win, you know, to to, to two times. I mean, nobody was two doing times. that. That's, that's right, it was twice, wasn't it? Twice. I told you I was, you know, it came to my mind. I said, I don't well, know I mean, I'll never forget it because I had never hit two homers in the same game at any level, never in high school, never in little league, really? never in the minor leagues. So, yeah, I mean, it was obviously one off Scherzer is memorable. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers of our generation, but to do it twice, I remember that was my first ever time hitting, having a multi homer game. Um, and like you said, I mean, we, we as players knew kind of the magnitude of that game. Um, you know, when you have a lot of the front office in town um, and we're not playing very well, you kind of feel uh, a certain way. And I remember I, I had gotten off to a good start that year in April. I think this was towards the end of May, maybe early June. And I was really, really struggling. I had a very bad month. I remember the day before we, the day we got rained out, I went out for early hitting and I was working on something different. I was working on this toe tap. I had never done it before, but I said, what the hell? Like I'm not hitting right now anyway. Like what's the worst that could happen? We ended up getting rained out. I stay for a while during the rain out and I must've hit a thousand balls in the cage that day. The next day you tell me I'm not in the lineup. The first game, I'm going to play the second game. Scherzer and my most people would be like I don't want to try something new against Scherzer I was like what's the worst that happens like I'm going into this game struggling already he's one of the greatest pitchers in the game like he's either gonna strike me out three times doing what I've done or I'm gonna try something different and maybe it clicks and sure enough first at bat I hit the homer uh second at bat I think I get a base hit to right and then I think we were down like two runs and I hit a three run homer in the seventh. Right. That's and right. And I think we went on to win 11 in a row or 12 yes. in a row after that. And I think that was, I think that's kind of where we as a team kind of felt like we were really good and that we had the ability to go out and win every single day. And then the trade deadline happened and we got these, you know, superstar 
quality of players and we got some other really good players and things just seemed to roll. We, we felt like we could win every single day. And that was our mindset when you showed it to the yard. There was no other option. We were going to win. And if we lost, we weren't going to lose two in a row. We felt like it was going to take another team's best game, and we were going to have to play pretty poorly to be beat. And that's a really, really good position to be in. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? You know why that that was so, such a big day for me, too? You hit those so you might, you might You might have saved my life a little bit, actually, my my baseball career. Because I can remember I, after the game, I was in I was in the getting in the shower or, or was it that day or the next, next day? We're, we're heading home, right? Anyway, it's in one, I think it was Ron Sandelli or, or you know, our security guy or somebody else came in and said, Hey, uh, the word in Toronto is on, on the news or the radio, whatever that we uh, get home from this trip, you're, you're, you're getting fired. I said, Really? I said, Okay. And I, I said, Well, ha-, so I asked this guy, have somebody call, somebody call Alex Anthopoulos, our GM. Tell them if find out if that's true because if it's true, I'm just hopping on a plane here in DC and flying home. I ain't going all the way back up there and then going. So let me know. So they called it. They somebody called Alex and he said, "No, there's nothing to that. It's all BS." You know, because those things come out every now and then. Yeah. So it was really important. One of the really important games. I thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know. I think. I think that's a. I don't know. I don't know how you like. I don't know how you deal with that too. I mean, I know we have different. pressures and expectations as players but you know ultimately we control our own destiny you know we got to perform I, I always I always feel for managers that uh, you know there's only so much you can do as a manager you know you can motivate your guys you can keep the clubhouse light uh, you discipline when need to be disciplined but you're not playing the game no you know? and I know I know you make decisions, but like you base decisions off of guys who go out there and perform. And sometimes guys don't perform. Like you have your bullpen lined up to face certain guys and you, you don't know the guy's going to be shitty that day or he's not going to have his best stuff, you know? So, yeah, but we can also make, Hey, we can also make stupid moves that lead to some of that stuff. But you know, know, Kevin, the end, you know what, if you got good players, you're gonna you're gonna have a good team unless the manager really screws it up. Before we let you go, though, we got to get your a quick some quick thoughts on on the, this year's postseason. You know, you you've been in the thick of it. You you played all these guys. You know, out there, it, it's it's crazy what's happening. I mean, the Yanks could they could uh, you know they're supposed to be one of the greatest teams ever. Three months ago, they could be eliminated this week. What's your thoughts on what's happening here? And in, in, uh, you got you got a pick now or what? Well, I think I think that's the I think that's the great thing about um the playoffs is it's like having a great regular season and getting home field advantage is is great and it's very very important but i think playing your best baseball at the right time is more important um but i think it's just you just got to get to the dance you just got to get there and anything can happen and I, i think more so than any other sport baseball has the ability to see what we just saw where you have the two lowest ranked uh, seeded teams uh, in the in the NL uh, competing for a chance to go to the World Series. You know, it really comes down to do you have two or three good starting pitching? Does your bullpen click at the right time? Do you have some swing and miss stuff out of the bullpen? Can you get some timely hitting? But I think for the casual fan, I don't think people realize how different playoff baseball is from the regular season in terms of, yes, you want to try to win every single day uh, in the regular season, but it is an impossible recipe to do it because you have to think about the long-term 
Uh, you have to think about the law, uh, the big picture of a season. You can't roll your best arms out there every single day. Um, and as a, as a offensive player, as a position player, like, yes, I want to do a good job and I want to move a runner over, you know, in the sixth inning of a tie game in, in April, but we are individuals and we get paid off as statistics and winning is important, but like there's, there's a time and place to sacrifice in that bat. And in April in the sixth inning, it might not be the time, but then when you're in the playoffs, that is the only thing that matters. So it's, it's a hard recipe to, to balance. You play such a different style of baseball. And I think the teams that maybe down the stretch, like the Phillies, like we're seeing that we're playing for their lives down the stretch. I had to start playing that brand of baseball. I know for us, in 2015 and 16, you know, we didn't clinch to really late in 15. We won the division maybe with the last three or four games of the season. So we were playing, you know, really important baseball. We were almost playing playoff baseball before playoff baseball. And you kind of get to uh, get into that mind frame where it's not about me. It's about winning every single day. And then obviously in 16, you know, we had to win the last day of the season to get into the wild card game. And we were playing playoff baseball for probably the last month of the season. So in some ways, I do think teams have an advantage that have to play up until the very last game of the season. You know, but on the flip side, a team like the Dodgers, you know, you have the ability to kind of rest some guys, make sure guys are healthy. You get to set your rotation. There's no perfect science. And I think that's why baseball yeah. is great. You got to go out there and play. Uh, home field advantage, you know, the Dodgers with 111 wins get to set their rotation. They get their one going against a four home field advantage, but that's why baseball is the greatest sport. Right. I think that's why baseball and hockey are probably the two best playoffs in all of sports because anything can happen. Typically in basketball, a better team's going to be a worse team. In football, a better team's typically going to be the worst team but in baseball that all that gets thrown out the window you know you have this team like Gibby mentioned you know three months ago we were talking about one of the greatest teams ever assembled and we have a Cleveland team that no one really talked about all year that honestly went wire to wire in that division no one expected them to be there uh, no one expected them to probably get out of the you know the wild card round and now they have an opportunity to advance to the CS uh, it's, it, it's exciting. That's the beauty of baseball. And, you know, you're going to even endear yourself more to Canadian fans because you brought up hockey a minute ago about the hockey player. I know. You are a PR dream. I know. I mean, and I, I I had invested interest in, you know, I'm sure you guys did too, watching the Blue Jays series. And, um, you know, that was tough to watch. But, you know, I, I the Blue Jays, you know, you know, I know they played in the postseason last year, but I don't think you can – I don't think you can really – consider a lot or two years ago the COVID year right. I don't think you can really consider that that was just very unorthodox you know right. but I think experience is key um you know and they were so close to 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 winning um and uh, you know that's the like I said that's the beauty of it is you know you get so close um but you gotta you gotta get 27 outs and I think that's something they're gonna have to Think about this offseason. I know a lot of those guys are going to be motivated. I know they got guys there that have been there, done it. But experience is key in those moments. And I think a lot of those guys got their feet wet. I think they, you know, kind of like what we felt, you know, too. You When you get people really, really excited about baseball in Toronto and Canada, there's no place like it. 
And I no. think this this current team has done a really good job. I know there was a little bit of a gap um, from our success to obviously the COVID year where they weren't able to be there. But to have playoff baseball back in Toronto, um, I know that, you know, they're in a good position. I know people are going to be excited going into next year. And that's going to be a place that is going to be a really fun place to play for a long time. Um, and they're going to kind of feel that home field advantage, you know, starting in April. People are going to be excited to go back. Um, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll bring you back. You never know. Is that, what it, so- is that what it sounds like I'm doing right now? Hey, Johnny or Rizzy there is like the hu- biggest Mets fan in the, in the history, right? Well, hey, we when can you talk about the Mets, too. I got some investment. Oh, here. gosh. No, we don't have enough time, man. He's already crying over there. I can see him wiping his eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's got in know, some ways it's got to make you feel in some ways it's got to make you feel better seeing San Diego win because I think you just chalk it up to a team being really hot, executing, timely hitting. You ain't um, talking. You're not talking to him when you say that. I don't yeah, know. I am because I know it hurts as a fan. Oh, but it hurt. It I hurt think, big time. I mean, you see San Diego go in, go into New York, you know, slay the two-headed, three-headed monster they had. Uh, Scherzer, starting pitcher. You know, and then they also come into LA and do the same thing. Like yeah. sometimes you, it, it makes you like if if the Dodgers would have swept the Padres, you would have said, you know, you know what happened? Oh, what, what a terrible, what a terrible year! But uh, I think you look at it as San Diego had to play for their lives. You know, very similar to you know the Mets, but I think they just got hot at the right time. They got good yeah. pitching, timely hitting. Um, you know, and you know how it is being a Mets fan. New York's a tough place to play. There's there's a yeah. lot of – and I, I felt for them, too. I was concerned about them because I know what it was like last year there, leading, uh, you know, up until September, leading division, kind of overachieving for the most part. We had so many injuries last year. And then when we lost first place just for a split second, it was, you know, the wind was taken out of our sails. You know, it was – it's just a tough place to play. Media, fans, the expectations are hard. So I felt like when they lost first place uh, that last series against Atlanta, you know, they were up against something even bigger than the San Diego Padres. They were up against New York. Yeah. yeah feel, it was, it, they I, took the wind out of their sails. It did. It took, and it's, it took it's, the wind out. It's a unique place to play. It's a great place to play. I bet you there, everyone says there's no better place to play when you're winning than New York. Uh, but when you're losing – um, and you're unsuccessful. It's it's a really tough place to play. It's, hey, just look at look at look at the battle scars on Johnny's face over there. Not just yeah. because he's in pro wrestling, it's because he's he's a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah, they break your heart in a different way every year. But yeah, I understand. But hey, listen, even the Phillies, look what happened to them. It, it's been it. a great postseason so far. It's been a wonderful postseason. Well, Cam, man, listen, pal, we appreciate. Oh, hey, all right. Now, life. Yeah. Now, now we got. Now, now we got 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 drop off. Two. Good. So now now it's daddy duties, man. Go do it. Let's go, brother. I'm proud. Hey, I'm proud of you, man. Appreciate you taking the time to do this for us. Of course. Amanda wanted me to say hello too. Well, good. I'm glad you're taking her somewhere to get away, man. It's important, but. You know, I, I can't thank you enough. The uh, baseball world can't thank you enough, especially the, the Toronto Blue Jays fans. And, and uh, they'll always remember you. And, and uh, I wish you, wish you the best of luck, pal. Thank you, thank you. We'll be, we'll talk soon. We'll catch up. All right, brother. You thank you, Kevin. Care. Thank right. you very much. Wow, that was great. I mean, Kevin, what a great guy. I, I mean, great interview, John. 
got a lot out of him. You know what, Johnny? He's he's uh, he's one of my all-time favorites. You know, for a lot of reasons, right? You know, the, the way he played the game. You know, what he did for the team, all that. But you know, he's just, he's one of the good guys that, that cares. You know, great family man. That does everything right, right? And he's he's a it's it's a great story because nothing was ever handed to him. He's kind of like the success story that you, you love to read about, you know? Uh, yeah, he and just he, doesn't and give he up. he tells it like it is. He really tells it like it is. And, he did. And, uh, he did. Uh, that's always nice to hear. No, I mean, we only had him for one season in New York with the Mets, and I just fell in love with the guy right from the right from the beginning of the season and his passion and his his grittiness and his coming back. Yeah. And he just had this hard-nosed way about him, which, you, you know, any team can benefit from to have a guy like that. Yeah, you know he's almost he's a, he's an ideal New York type player. If you want to know the truth, yes, you know? he's got he's got that mentality. He's got that you know that I mean, he's loved everywhere, but he's got he's got that grit and the you know I mean he'll he'll fire back at you if you fire if you say something from the stands. You know how you New Yorkers love to love to. Yeah, one of the funniest things I got first time I was in New York and you know, I was scared to death. Right, you know this is like the movie Escape from New York I saw as a kid, but I was down at the field taking bat and during bad practice shagging fly balls and I hear this little kid just screaming at me, cussing at me, right? I'm going, this is my home team. I look over there, there's this little guy, he's cursing at me. Is his old man sitting standing right next to him laughing like egg and ball I go I said, if I had ever done that, my old man would have grabbed oh, me by the back of the neck. Anyway, but it Same was fun. Here. Yeah, they're tough. Yeah. They're tough. The fans are tough there. And they, you know, the kids get educated early up there in New York. Uh, and then they get uh, tainted because, you know, after the first year or two, the Mets are breaking their hearts and they become callous <laughs> and mean. And they curse the players at, at the age of seven, probably. Uh, and then they finally, they finally have had enough and they move to Nashville, man, to slow their life down. That's right. <laughs> That's me right now. <laughs> oh man we have a you know obviously each and every week we allow the fans to reach out and that's our asking uh gibby segment ask gibby a question uh you could do that by just going to an email account that we have set up it's askgibbyshow at gmail.com or the hashtag on uh, twitter which is just hashtag ask show and we have a few questions john which i thought would be interesting for you uh, one is uh, uh, a gentleman named Jorge Lopez. Uh, ask Gibby Show. Hey, Gibby, my name is Jorge. I'll keep this quick and simple. What do you think are the three key needs for the Jays to go all the way in 2023? Thanks. Take care, Jorge. Good question, Jorge. Uh, you know, Johnny, I, I don't. Naturally, there'll be there'll be moves made, and I think you said there's they what do they have like a couple free agents they got to deal with just or two, yeah, yeah. You know everything's really in place. You know they got they got that they 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 got a good all around solid team, and and uh, I think experience what they experienced this year is going to do wonders for them, right? Even though it was kind of a crushing way it ended. So, um, you know maybe maybe strengthen the bullpen, which every team approaches every year. You know you, every every going to every offseason, everybody says, well, we, you know let's let's add to the bullpen. Every manager and coaching staff screaming, and hey, we need this, right? It's usually the bullpen. Yeah. Um, you know they have a, had a couple of injuries to the, uh, the start rotation. Rue in the in uh, you know I don't know if he'll be back in time, but um, you know probably the key, a key thing for him is, is how Barrios bounces back um, in that starting rotation. Um, you know he he's definitely a, he's he's definitely a key guy because he, he's there a while. But every, everything big commitment to him. Yeah, right. But if you if you look at their team, there's I really don't see one thing where you look and go, eh, you know they they're 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 weak there because that's not the case. It's just you know 
they ran into some tough luck. Some in, uh, but the experience I think will will do do wonders. Um, and then you pretty, pretty much just line up the rotation, make sure that it's in in good shape, and add to the bullpen, which is usually the case for most teams. Yeah, we'll uh, be diving deep into all of these questions in future episodes here at the Gibby Show. We do have another question that came in on the Gmail account. A gentleman named Jeff Wilcox. Hey, guys, love the show. What's your thoughts about the schedule changing for next year with the teams not playing within the division as much and playing uh, American and National League teams uh, throughout the season? So what's your thoughts on that, John? You know, Johnny, I... It's about time in my eyes, right? You know, I, I used to complain about that all the time. When, you know, I was here in Toronto, you know, American League East. And, and back then, especially, you know, it was the Yankees and, and the Red Sox were both at the top of their game, right? And, of course, you know, Baltimore was loaded. Uh, Baltimore's on the upswing coming back now. But they were loaded back then. And Tampa was kind of on the verge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, you think about it. If, you know, it's one, it's one thing if all you, all you have is division winners and they go on to play the playoffs and all that. But when you have wild cards, it was always seemed to be unfair. I mean, there's no crying in baseball, but I'm going to cry a little bit here. If you if you got to play, you know, you you're, you get some of your top teams in baseball every year in that division, you know, because a lot of reasons because of the the money bags, right? They got the money to do it. If you got to play them 18 times a year, that's a, that's it doesn't seem real balanced to me. If if a team out out west, you know, plays uh, some other team that that struggles perennially, you know, 18 times a year. So if you want to get a true read, that's a, that's the whole idea of how to get a true read to establish your wild card teams, right? That's That makes the most sense to me. But I always heard the argument, well, you know, the uh, if your team's in the East, or you know, they always want the Red Sox and Yankees coming to town more often because they make more money. I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, if the whole whole objective, I know, is, is to make money, but you're also you're going to make more money if you get in the playoffs and win. You know, true. So I'm glad they I'm glad they did that. So it's about time. I, you know, it's I don't know if it's completely balanced yet, but it's sure heading in the right direction, which is a good thing. And you're going to see interesting matchups that you've never seen before in a league matchups. I mean, just the fact that you're playing every team at least once. That's going to be real interesting for the fans and for the game. So, yeah, I'm right there with you on that one, John. Uh, we have one that came in through the hashtag, and uh, that is a hashtag AskGibbyShow at Twitter. And it's a gentleman named Mansfield, and he had the question of, when's your book coming out? That's a great question, man. Why don't you, why don't you answer that one? Heck, you're in charge of all that, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've been working with the publisher, and uh, right now, I mean, a uh, uh, beautiful uh, cover of the book has been done. I mean, it looks great, John. You look real handsome in that, on that cover. <laughs> must have been doctored. Uh, it must have been doctored, a little Photoshop, but it uh, looks good nonetheless. From what the publisher says, it'll come out uh, the first week of the baseball season. So we're looking at April 2023 for a full uh, release. It's at ECW Press. The name of the book is Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, and it'll be everywhere uh, beginning uh, that first week in April. Nice. And you get a set of co- you get get a set of crayons. I understand with it, you know, to color a little bit in it. When yeah, there's there's that coloring it. section in the middle <laughs> for the coloring book. Nice. <laughs> So, and wait so till the audio. There'll be an audio version out too. There'll be an audio book version out too. So, I wonder who yeah. you get a tap on the shoulder to read that. <laughs> well, I, I would do it, but I'm not sure they can understand me. You know, most of them. So, but listen, if, if we do that, you know, all, all ages can read it and look at it and color through it. And all that. So. Everything. It'll be it'll be for all ages. 
All ages. All, right. all ages. But that's exciting, John. I mean, that book is going to be, it's widely anticipated and uh, everyone's Well, I appreciate you, you kind of spearheading all that, getting that going, and, and uh, I really appreciate that anyway. Well, uh, you're quite welcome. It's been my pleasure, man. I've known you 41 years, so uh, being able to be- I just hope it does as good as your book is doing. Uh, you know, I hope it does as well as your book. Oh, but, it's going to be much but better than my book, Matt Memories. Well, yeah, you're, on, you're on the cover with me right there, John. You wrote one of the forwards to the book. I mean, I like that bottom picture, man. Where you, was that that was was that taken from when you got in the ring with Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, it was that's actually. And that, that's actually my father's bathrobe, which I turned inside out and had this purple, <laughs> purple silk lining. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I've had a lot hey, of crazy a, things. That's a New Yorker all the way right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it was fun. But, you know, you, you liked wrestling a little bit. Oh, I love wrestling. Wahoo McDaniel was one of your favorites, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know anybody that doesn't like wrestling, to be honest with you. You know, and, and, uh, I'm sure obviously there is, but it's good. It's good old wholesome entertainment. It is. It is. You never know. Down the road, who knows what we have on Soap here. opera for men. But anyway, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. We're going to have a lot more to talk about next week. We'll see what's going on with the playoffs and the League Championship Series leading into the World Series at the end of the month. There'll be other guests on the on the Gavin with Gibby segment. So uh, let's just let everybody know before we close up, you could get a hold of John uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at JohnGibbons05. Uh, he loves to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You have fun with it. Well, take care, everybody. We'll talk more baseball with you next week. <laughs>